Expect, maybe this morning you weren't expecting Christmas themes <laughs> before Thanksgiving. <laughs> and I, you know, I hear a lot from a lot of different people that, and there's a little bit of ting, uh, that Thanksgiving seems to get passed by by Christmas, right? That we're already in the Christmas mood. But what we'd like to do over the next two weeks as we do prepare for Thanksgiving and we do ask the Lord to bless us and for us to see the blessings he's already given us, we're going to look at this, this idea of expect. What did you expect this morning? What are you expecting in life? What have you expected? And has that played out the way you thought it would? And so this morning we're going to dive into that question. Now that word expect, um, it has a different meaning from hope. Hope is built in emotion many times. It's what we desire to happen. It's what we're wanting to happen. Expect is built more in fact, isn't it? It's ex- it we build ex- expectations on things we've seen before, things we can say, well, logically, this should continue to happen. And so the idea of expect is a little bit more grounded than hope. And so what I want to do, and, and I know there's a lot of distractions right now. I know there's a lot of things, even this little tinginess in the mic that might might cause us not to, to focus. But what I want to do, just for a few minutes, is I want everyone to take a deep breath. You can kind of hear the air conditioning. What I'd like you to do, we're going to do a little group activity. I want us all to quiet ourselves. And I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to intentionally, intentionally get rid of any distractions that might be in your mind right now. I want you to intentionally reject any distractions that you might have right now. And I want you to ponder. The Bible says that the renewing of our mind is the greatest form of worship towards God. And so we want to renew our minds. We want to use our minds right now. I want you to think about the answers to these questions. I want you to truly focus in on on your personal answers to these questions. As our eyes are closed, as we are focused, is your life what you expected it to be? Is your life what you expected it to be? What do you expect life will be like today? What do you expect life will be like today? What do you expect life will be like this week? What do you expect life will be like the next 10 years? What do you expect the rest of your life to be like? What do you expect death to be like? What do you expect after death will be like? 
All right, you can open your eyes. As you were thinking through those questions, as you were going through in your mind, your thoughts, was it positive? Was it negative? Was it optimistic? Was it pessimistic? As you thought through the answers to those questions, were there things in your mind that you couldn't get away from? Were there things in your your mind that you couldn't avoid? Are there challenges that you can see today, next week, next 10 years, the rest of your life that you just see happening? Do you see success? Do you see failure? What, What in those moments in your internal thoughts, where did you go? I think one of the things I recognize doing this is the farther out you think, the farther out you, you have expectation for, the less control you have, correct? So I have a good amount of control for today, maybe a decent amount of control for this week, a lot less control for the rest of the year, even less control for the next five or 10 years, and even less control for the rest of my life. And then when it comes to death, that's why I believe we're here in many ways, because that is the question we all have to deal with. What do we expect of death? And what do we expect after death? You see, that word expect is a powerful word. That word expect influences us right now, It influences how we live. It influences a lot about who we are based on what we expect. And so the question that I'm asking the Lord to speak to us clearly about this morning, the question I have, what do you expect from God? What do you expect from God? So before we look at his word, let's precede it with prayer. If you would pray with me, please. Almighty Father, God of creation, God of eternity, your name is holy and just and righteous and worthy of every praise that can be given. Lord, we ask as we consider our expectations, as we consider what you've offered us, Lord, I pray that what is in heaven would be what is in earth in this moment, that we would see clearly what it is to be in your family, what it is to be in your home, what it is to know you and for you to know us. And Lord, I pray as we have this discussion together, as we read through the words that you gave Paul to write Titus that were as relevant then as they are to us today, I pray, Lord, that you would give us the things we need, that you would enlighten us, you would give us wisdom and discernment, you would give us passion and clarity. And Lord, I pray as we look at our lives, where we are now, where we're going, that we would understand that we are forgiven in you, that you have paid for our sins, that we have grace upon grace, and that in that grace, we are called to share that freely with all those in our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would help us in that as we look at what you've offered us, that we would offer that to others, that they could expect us to be gracious. 
And Lord, I pray as we have this conversation and as we think about the things we expect and we talk about what you expect of us and, and what you've called us to, I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't be distracted, that we wouldn't harden our hearts, that we wouldn't turn from your voice, but that we would listen and that we would obey and that we would follow what you've given us. And Lord, I pray that you would speak directly wherever we are in our stories, in our lives, that you would speak to us so we can hear it clearly. I thank you for these moments. I thank you for this time when we can look at your words. I pray that you'd bless them in Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're gonna be looking at Titus chapter two. If you have your Bible, if you don't and you'd like one, we will get you one. Uh, the, the verses will be on the screen. And if you miss anything this morning, you can go to our website. Everything will be streaming there for you to, to go back and check. Titus uh, is in the New Testament towards the end of the Bible. Um, just so I can give you some context, I think it's always important when you read God's word to understand the context, who it was written to, why it was written, what was going on. Uh, the writer of this book is Paul. He's writing to Titus. Titus is a young man. He's a leader. He's a Greek, and he is a, he's a follower of Christ, and he is leading the church on the island of Crete. How many of you have ever heard of the term a Cretan? right? That's where this comes from. Cretans didn't have the best reputations. If you've ever heard that term, you know that that term is not a term of endearment. It's, a, it's, it's kind of a way to like say they're not great people. They're not the most high character people. Their morals weren't that great. You're a Cretan. That, they had a reputation in their time of being pretty immoral as a community, as, as, a, as a nation, as, a, as an island. Um, the Cretans were not that great a people in their reflection to the people around them. And so here, Titus has started a church. Paul is writing to him, and he's trying to encourage them in the midst of a very difficult situation, in the midst of a place that has a lot of challenges. He's, he's trying to encourage them to focus in on some important um, concepts that God has for them. And, and that concept we're going to talk about is this idea of expectation, and that expectation can be for everyone. The expectation can be for everyone. And so before we dive in, I'm just going to give you real quick background. In, in the beginning of Titus chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 11, he says this is the doctrine, this is the teaching you should give them. This is the expectation that you should place upon them. This is the expectation God has for us. And he goes through this order and he says for old men, and, and to summarize what he says, and if you want to go back and look at this later, it's really interesting. He says basically I want them to be temperate. I want them to teach the younger men. I want them to be self-controlled. I want them to not to be easily angered. I'm looking for the older men to be temperate. The expectation is that they're temperate. The older women to be reverent, to value people, to value life, and to teach the younger women to value life. The younger women to be pure, to have purity, and, and, he, and he wants them to be teachable, open to learning from those who've come before. For the younger men, he, he says self-control that they would have self-control and that they would be willing to learn this from the older men. And it's interesting to note that, that a, a good portion of the church in, in Crete would have been slaves or indentured slaves or bond servants. And so he also writes to that group and he says that you are to be trustworthy. Even if you are wrongfully a slave, even if you are held under um, something that is not just, you are still to be trustworthy. That is the expectation that God has for you as the church. That is, is what the expectation is when you follow Christ. And so the question is, why is Paul writing to Titus to give these people that expectation? Because if you look at it, old men, young men, older women, younger women, 
slaves, workers. He's covering everyone. He's not leaving any group out. He's saying every group is under this umbrella of what I'm teaching. And I think as you look at it, the answer to the question of why did he write this to them? Why did he give them these guidelines? You find it at the end of verse 5. And I think this morning, if you get nothing else, this is the most important part. This is the part that, that brings life, I believe. He says, so that no one will malign the word of God. You're to do these things, you're to have these, ex, uh, these expectations so that no one would malign the word of God. And here's why I believe Paul said that. He said that because many will judge what to expect from God from what they experience from his followers. Did you get that? Many will judge what to expect from God based on their interactions with his followers or their experiences with his followers. That's why this is so vitally important. Because if they're to have an expectation about death, if they're to have an expectation about who God is, they are going to judge that based on their experience with those who say that they are following Christ. Do you see why that is so valuable? Do you see why that is so important? Why their expectation is based on the expectation that's been placed upon all of us. If you're here this morning and, and you are just checking us out and you're saying, I want to know what it is to be a Christian. To be a Christian is to be a reflection of, of Christ. And you should see the work of Christ in our lives. And there's so many times, so many instances where I've talked to people and their issues never really with Jesus. Their issues never really even with the Bible. Usually it's with a bad experience with a Christian. A bad experience with someone who claimed that they were following Christ. And so Paul writes to us and he says, look, you have this expectation of eternity with God. You have this expectation that he is going to save you from your sins. You have all these expectations on God. His expectation then is that you live that well so that others may also have that expectation. That they may expect the goodness of God. And that's where we begin in verse 11 of chapter 2. Here's what it says. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. What does all mean there? All means all, and that's all all means, right? <laughs> doesn't mean a certain demographic. It doesn't mean a certain type of person. It doesn't mean someone that was born in a certain place to a certain parenting. It means all. You know, one of the most amazing things, about a year ago from today, we were in Israel, in Jerusalem. You know what was one of the most amazing things to me to look around and see that there are people from China, there are people from Japan, there are people from India, there are people from Mexico, there were people from Spain, there are people from Italy, there are people from France, there are people from, from Germany, all at this place to see the life of Christ. Because Christ is for all. Do you see the importance that, that they recognize what he is offering them and offering us is great expectation. It's expectation above any of our ability to really comprehend. And it's for everyone. And it is built in what works? Is it built in what I can do? Is it built in being good and doing the right things? No, what does it say it's built in? For the grace of God. The grace. Grace meaning this is something you didn't earn. This was freely given to you. For the grace of God, 
He has appeared. When did he appear? When we're celebrating Christmas. We have so much to be thankful for that Jesus appeared so that through his grace, we could all have salvation. Salvation from what? Salvation from the cost of sin, which is the the death of eternity for us. And, and, And then also the price of sin in our lives, that we can live lives of holiness like Christ. And so he goes on. He says, it teaches us to say no. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Paul writes this letter to Titus and he's saying, look, here's the expectation you should place upon the people because God has offered through Christ salvation. And so you can expect salvation at the end of your life. You can expect it. And also you can expect as you follow Christ, as you follow his way, you will become like him. And Christ did not give in to worldly passions. He was self-control. He was upright and he was godly. This morning I want to share something with you that I think the students have been learning this weekend. Something I'm learning, I think, and I'll learn the rest of my life. It's really what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to follow Christ? What does it mean to be his disciple? Um, Dallas Willard, if you're familiar, he's a philosopher. He's a, he's a well-known Christian author. He writes this, and I think it, it fulfills what we're being told here. It says, a disciple is who Jesus would be if he were you. A disciple is who Jesus would be if he were you. What would Jesus be like and what would he do, be doing if he had your personality, your childhood, your background, your intellect, your job? What if he made the same amount of money as you or had your family? What would Jesus be like if he was you. You see, the expectation for all of us is the more we follow Christ, the more we become like him. And the more we become like him, the more patience we have, the more self-control we have, the more we reflect the future that he has set before us. And the more we do that, people have expectation of us, and the expectation grows and grows and grows. And so then my expectation for the rest of today, my expectation for the rest of uh, this week, the rest of this year, it begins to grow because my expectation is the more I follow Christ, the more I become like Christ, the more that my created purpose to reflect him, that, that he looks on the earth and he sees all these reflections of himself, that the whole purpose for his glory was that we would glorify him in our lives and we would be reflections of him as what he sees. What a great expectation. Verse 13, it says, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a lot of expectation there. What do you expect when Jesus shows up? What do you expect when the days have come to an end? What do you expect when this life is over? Do you expect the glorious, overwhelming presence of God in his fullness? Because that's what he offers. That's what he offers for everyone to expect. 
this morning in Christ, everyone can have great expectations. In Christ, every one of us, when we think through our lives, it's no longer that challenge. It's no longer that obstacle. It is no longer that issue that consumes our hearts and our minds. It becomes the fact that we have been saved and our eternity is set and that we can expect great things on the moment that is the end. Do you believe that this morning? Do you truly believe that this morning? What do you expect? What do you expect? Here's the application. When we seek Jesus with all of our heart, with all of our mind and with all of our soul, we can expect to find him. This morning, when you seek Jesus, you can expect to find him. If you're looking for him, you will find him. And the more you seek him, you can expect to become more like him. And the more like him you become, the more people in your life will expect to see him in you. And the more you live this life where you're expecting Jesus to do new things in your life every day and your expectation continues to grow and it continues to grow and you expect him to show up and you expect him to reveal himself, the more you get excited about his return the more you get excited about his return. And yes, there are challenges. Yes, there are obstacles. Yes, that expectation is not that he does it the way you want it to be done. The expectation is his way's better. Whatever he's given in your life, he is calling you to it. And you expect that. You expect that whatever trial, whatever issue, whatever challenge has been given to you with a purpose, and that is your expectation. Is that our expectation this morning? Is that your expectation? What do you expect? Nobody expected Jesus to be born when he was born. Nobody expected that Jesus was going to show up on the scene the way he did. And yet now, because he did that, we can all have the greatest expectations possible. Whatever you think it's going to be like, it's going to be better. Whatever you dream it to be, it'll be greater. But it begins when you say, I confess and I believe and I place my hope in you. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your words. We are grateful for Paul writing these challenging words to Titus to share with, with the church in Crete. Lord, we pray that as applicable as that was then, it is today. And this, this morning, Lord, as we think about our expectations, we think about what will happen as time passes. You offer us great expectations. You offer us salvation. You offer us the answer to death, to eternity. Lord, this morning, I pray that we would live that way. And if there's anyone here who has not repented and believed and placed their trust in you, I pray that they would do that, Lord. That they would seek after you. That they would start to expect you to show up and speak to them. And so, Lord, I just thank you for what you've done. 
And I pray even in these moments in life right now, open our hearts to you. Open our lives to you. Help us to trust. But we are thankful, so thankful, that you've brought salvation. And so, Lord, help us to live knowing we're saved and that we're your children. Lord, we love you and praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing our final song this morning, if the Lord is speaking to your heart and you just want to pray about it, you need someone to talk to, I'm available. We have staff. We have those that are part of the leadership of the church that would love to meet with you and pray with you and encourage you. So please, if the Lord's speaking to your heart, you can come speak with me, uh, see one of our leaders on your way out. But this is an opportunity for us to follow his calling. Let's stand and sing.